Attention Inland Empire. Maybe you've heard of the terms float tank, sensory deprivation, or float therapy, but we have a question for you. How much do you really know about it? For example, did you know that floating takes all the weight off your body with over a thousand pounds of Epsom salt? In fact, the zero gravity environment provides incredible relief to achy joints and tense muscles. And not to mention, thousands of people have gotten relief from arthritis, fibromyalgia, tendonitis, inflammation, and chronic neck, back, and shoulder pain. The solution is heated to skin temperature so that after a few minutes you actually feel like you're floating in midair. Now you are in control of your complete experience and you can feel free to float with the door open and the lights and music on, but if you turn them off, it creates an environment where you don't see, hear, or feel anything. It's the experience of nothing. Now you can only imagine why so many people use the float tank to achieve deeper levels of meditation, enhance creativity, better sleep, and stress relief because it allows the brain to slow down into deep alpha and theta states to ensure you achieve complete relaxation at float state. Relax, heal, unwind. No one in AA said to me, why would a nice young girl with such a great future drink so much? They told me about themselves and I found out that there were a lot of other people who were just like me. They drank only because the desire to drink was stronger than anything else. They didn't say to me, if only you'd do this, you wouldn't drink. In AA, they said, welcome, come in and sit down. We know how you feel. Visit AA.org for more information and download the Meeting Guide app to find a meeting near you. Routinely serene. I'm Carl. I swear I'm Carl. <laughs> and I almost forgot. I'm Carl. Uh, why do I do it every time I forget? Every time. You're I like, should... pause, pause, yeah. pause. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm Carl. I'm an addict. Yay. What else am I? Um, I'm an alcoholic. My sobriety is August uh, um, 22nd, 2014. I'm Chelsea. I'm an alcoholic. And my sobriety date is February 19th, 2015. This is Sober Pod. Sober Pod is the podcast about recovery that doesn't sound like a podcast about recovery. We are not experts or professionals, just a varying number of deeply flawed individuals with good intentions. If you would like to hear about the 12 steps, check out season two of 2019 for the years long coverage of 50 plus episodes. And it goes without saying, we do not speak for any recovery groups or organizations. And as always, we encourage you to listen in moderation. It seems like a mouthful, but boy, you do it. You're doing it so well lately. Like you are like, you're like getting <laughs> this down. It's becoming like a script that Chelsea is now participating on, right? Like you're like, you're like totally like in it. I don't know. I feel like, could you recite it by, by memory now? Do you think? Oh, probably now that I just closed it. <laughs> I remember like back in the day when I wasn't on this show, I would know exactly how the intro went because I had just listened to it so many times. Mm. Yeah, I don't even know if I remember the old intro anymore. There's I been a few. Yeah, this, we've, we've changed it up a few times, but we try to keep it regular for at least a while, right? Mm -hmm. um, so talking about keeping it regular for just a while, you know, I just went to the bathroom. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's great, Carl. Yeah. Good to hear. Hey, we um, uh, talking about keeping it regular. We just, <laughs> uh, we just, um, we just uh, ended a, a, a meeting, um, a meeting, um, a podcast uh, with uh, with the good friends over at Friends in Recovery. And we are going to be doing, you probably heard, uh, I'm gonna, we, we recorded like a little snippet about what we're trying to do. And we're trying to do this Friends in Recovery Enterprises, which is what we're going to call the FIRE Network. And so with that basically comes, um, like, there's really no changes in terms of our format or our content, like you and I sitting down doing this stuff. But what we will be doing is we will be, well, you're going to hear a little bit of that promo in the intro. Uh, and then a part of that is um, we're going to have like a page on the website where we're going to be supporting like all these other kinds of recovery podcasts or apps or other content creators in recovery to where we can all be part of this like fire network. And really at that point, we hope to grow it into something. We're just not really sure exact 
exactly like i mean specifically yet but we have a general idea we have a nice document outline that kind of outlines what we're doing um but so if you're listening to this and you do a recovery podcast or you have an app or you do some other website and you want to you want more information on what the fire network actually is um by all means contact us at info at soberpod.com or you can contact uh help at friends in recovery podcast.com i believe it's dot com and they can get you more information as well so you can also just search for them friends in recovery and you'll find them as well um <clears throat> do you have any questions about that chelsea i just have a comment oh say it it's gonna be fire it's gonna be fire i know that's what i kind of <laughs> liked about it I was like, it's gonna be so fire it's gonna be so fire but i did like the acronym you know for the fire network i just thought that was kind of cool so what is the acronym uh, the acronym is friends in recovery enterprises oh <laughs> so, so it's the fire network so okay yeah okay cool. i'm i'm a little slow here today but no it's you know it's what it is you know but they they are getting a, a non-profit status we're so if you notice at the beginning of the episode just i don't know it's like we don't really talk about the podcast a lot as a podcast but at the beginning of the, uh, we had a sponsor you guys are all familiar with them a uh, genital house you know we uh, sorry genesis house you may also know them as genital house, but they're no longer sponsoring us. They had uh, changes in their organization and we are no, we're no longer part of their, uh, their, their, their sponsorship. So, um, so which is all cool, but which means, you know, uh, we probably have to find ways to, to come up with, uh, to come up with that nut that they were busting each month. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, they were supporting, and I really, I do thank them very much for everything that they've done. And, I, and again, we'll still probably be involved with them to some level because of uh, Ed's involvement over there at uh, Friends in Recovery. But yeah, uh, they've also broken away from uh, the genital wart house as well, so um, so that they'll be doing that stuff too. Are you popping pills while we're on a recovery podcast, Chelsea? Oh yeah, she's like she's one that after the shit. other. Is it the Advil or the Tylenol? It's some Tylenol, baby. <laughs> Tylenol PM, or you know, how, how are you? How hard are you going? <laughs> no, no, I stay away from that stuff. Yeah, me too. I don't, I, yeah. yeah, I had a bad reaction one time. Another story, but you know, with that being said, with us kind of like breaking out and being, you know, without a sponsor, um, we could really use some. Um, new members to our member section. Mm. Um, and if, if that's like not really your jam, then, you know, like, and subscribe to this podcast, you know, like the only thing we really, really care about is getting this message to someone like one person who needs to hear yeah. it. Mike and, in Nova Scotia. That's who we're doing. You know? Yeah, exactly. And like, we're, we've never been motivated by money or, you know, money, have money, any, money, money. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, sorry. I think everyone's motivated by that, but this podcast, the purpose of the podcast is not to like be raking in the dough. Like, you know, I have better uses of my time if I really want to make money. Right? Yes. yes. I mean, I could be, you know what I'm saying? I'd be like sucking a little, you know, <laughs> some. I mean, my wife, you know, she pays, you know what I'm saying? Oh my God. I hope she doesn't hear this. She, she stopped listening a long time ago. I could pretty much say whatever I want now. Uh, for a time, for she real. did listen, you know, and then it was touch uh, and go. And she's like, nah, I don't know. You can't do this. Yeah. No, but but really, like, we don't have any other motives. And um, I think that's one thing that makes our podcast a little more unique is that we're we're not, like, out there trying to sell you something or or make a profit. So if anything, you know, just, just, uh, subscribe, maybe share us with your friends or someone, if you really liked a, an episode, maybe share it with someone who you think needs to hear it. But I, just, as I said, on friends and recovery episode, don't get me wrong. If somebody came and said, Carl, we want to pay you, you know, 20 grand, you know, for silver pod each month to do this, I, I would be taking the money. I just want to say, actually, you know, I came down from, from a hundred grand when I was talking to Ed. But you know, I mean, but you know, that's that's the truth of it. Because here's the thing though, it's like, well, that's just the gift of it. You know, at that point it's just become now I get to do it, you know, as as a full time. That would be awesome. 
I'm not saying I think that that's going to happen at any degree. Alan, believe me, at any degree. But what I'm saying is, it's like, there is a limit. Come on. You know, you can't, mm-hmm. you know, what would you rather? Like, I love doing this fucking show. And if you told me that I actually got to, like, you know, get paid and do this, uh, well, I would be, I would be happy. I'd be really happy. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, with that said, let's kill the dream and just do the show. So- <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we 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 took a poll. I don't even remember if we didn't even really look at it. Um, did you? Um, did you? I briefly glanced at it, and anybody I think it vote was just on like, us? or nobody I think voted it was at like all. One hundred percent for like two and one, if I'm correct. Well, Obviously, I was paying I'm not close look attention. <laughs> but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna assume that somebody voted for to do both. So because it's so quick i mean it's like 15 minutes for both of these things so um so what we were doing is we're doing living sober that's what the, you know we're, we're going through the book and then we are listening to the book and then we are responding to the book uh, in our own words so that makes it unique and not um and not stolen um <laughs> that, that's how i'm going to justify it so uh so we're gonna and we could comment over the over the uh over the recordings you know because we still need mm-hmm. the mics on so the first one is number seven, using the serenity prayer. And then the next one is, what is it? Um, changing old routines, which is number eight. So um, so that's why we called it Routinely Sober. Um, do, <laughs> do we just want to get on with this mess? We've talked for 10 minutes. Do we, do we yeah. just want to? I think they're just... sick of hearing us blab. Get on with the fucking book already. What did I not pay <laughs> you for? What did I, you know? <laughs> I, I gave you a I fucking, subscribed for this shit. I gave you two stars. Get on with it, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. I love that. I love that I'm heckling myself. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> anyway, here it is. This is uh, Living Sober Using the Serenity Prayer. Seven. Using the Serenity Prayer. On the walls of thousands of AA meeting rooms, in any of a variety of languages, this invocation can be seen. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Amen. So be it. AA did not originate it. Versions of it seem to have been used for centuries in various faiths, and it is now widely current outside AA as well as within the fellowship. Whether we belong to this church or that, whether we are humanists, agnostics, or atheists, Shout out. most of us have found these words a wonderful guide in getting sober, staying sober, and enjoying our sobriety. Whether we see the serenity prayer as an actual prayer or just as a fervent wish, it offers a simple prescription for a healthy emotional life. We've put one thing right at the head of the list among the things we cannot change. Our alcoholism. No matter what we do, we know that tomorrow we won't suddenly be non-alcoholic any more than we'll be 10 years younger or six inches taller. We couldn't change our alcoholism, but we didn't say meekly, all right, I'm an alcoholic. Guess I'll just have to drink myself to death. I did that though. There was something we could change. We didn't have to be drunk alcoholics. We could become sober alcoholics. Yes, that did take courage. And we needed a flash of wisdom to see that it was possible, that we could change ourselves. For us, that was only the first, most obvious use for the serenity prayer. The further away we get from the last drink, the more beautiful and the more packed with meaning these few lines become. We can apply them to everyday situations, the kind we used to run away from, into the bottle. By way of example, I hate this job. Do I have to stick with it or can I quit? A little wisdom comes <laughs> into play. Your wife. Well, I if I do say. quit, the next few weeks or months may be rough. But if I have the guts to take it, the courage to change, I think I'll wind up in a better spot. Take this job. Or the answer may be, Let's face it, this is no time for me to go job hunting, not with a family to support. Besides, 
Here I am six weeks sober, and my AA friends say, I'd better not start making any drastic changes in my life just yet. Better concentrate on not taking that first drink and wait till I get my head straightened out. Okay, I can't change the job right now, but maybe I can change my own attitude. Let's see, how can I learn to accept the job serenely? That word serenity looked like an impossible goal when we first saw the prayer. In fact, if serenity meant apathy, bitter resignation, or impassive endurance, then we didn't even want to aim at it. But we found that serenity meant no such thing. When it comes to us now, it is more as plain recognition, a clear-eyed, realistic way of seeing the world, accompanied by inner peace and strength. Serenity is like a gyroscope that lets us keep our balance no matter what turbulence swirls around us. And that is a state of mind worth aiming for. Here, here. Cheers. Amen. Cheers to that. Or should I not say that? that because we're really talking <laughs> Cheers <about> with <laughs> your uh, sparkling water. <laughs> Cheers with your tea, your hot tea, sir. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I love the ending of that. Um, is uh, uh, because it's uh, um, you know, talk about a gyroscope keeping our balance, and you know, no matter what turbulence swirls around us, in that, and that is a state of mind worth aiming for. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't think that I had any of, um, I never thought that I had the capability to have any serenity, in in my mind, really, honestly, I I always felt that I was um going to be um, caught up in a whirlwind or, you know, (laughs) the grouch in the brainstorm or whatever the fuck it is. Like, I really, I just felt like that I was never going to know any kind of peace. Um, and today I know that like, I, I have all those moments all the time. Um, and, and in the beginning, when it came to the serenity prayer, um, we talked about this in one of the episodes before, is that, I never, you know, I, I would say it just as a mantra. Like I didn't even really know what it said for a really long time. I really couldn't Mm -hmm. understand what I was even asking for or desiring. Um, I just know that if I continued to think about what that thing said, that I might be able to stay sober because everybody else seems to be doing it. (laughs) So, yeah, it was, I I would just say it like, um, you know, almost begrudgingly, you know, like, you know, like, um, like I couldn't, I knew I couldn't change whatever, what was going on. Like they talked about it. Um, she had said, uh, we can apply them to everyday situations, the kind we used to run away from into the bottle. Right. And for me, that was so true. Like I used to escape, um, into a bottle from these other situations. And then I, but then I started learning, like saying the serenity prayer of like, okay, like I really don't have any, you know, control over the situation. I really don't have any, um, you know, also I was, I was never inviting anybody else in to my problems before, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and with the serenity prayer, I was literally inviting a higher power. And I, you know, even if I didn't understand it, I said it. And like I said in the beginning of this, like I, I didn't say it as a prayer at first. I really said it more as a, as a wish, you know, and, um, but I didn't realize even what I was doing then, you know, I, I it's like I'm accidentally sober. <laughs> I think all of it. I feel like I'm totally accidentally sober. So, what about you? How how do you feel like when you? Oh, oh by the way, I we did a whole, you know, um, episode on this, and I'll put it in the show notes or link to it somehow. But or you can just search for it, uh, Serenity Prayer Sober Pod. Um, but uh, um, you know, I I don't even know what I was going to say other than, um, you know, for me. You know, when I go to meetings and say it, um, I said it because that's what everybody else was doing, first of all. But I also said it because um, it um, it did have meaning for me in that context and in that environment, you know, because for a long time, the group was my higher power and those types of things. So it was, you know, um, you know, I said it to be a part of the group uh, because that's a part of unity for me. So when people say it in along those lines, same thing with other prayers. Like, I don't I don't care if you're saying a real you know, a, a real religious prayer that you, you know, Jesus Christ, blah, blah, blah. You know, man, I'll, I'll, I'll pray with you if that's what you want to do. Like, I, that's, that's unity for me. That's being, you know, in, 
with you. If you want me there when we're doing it, great. You know, but like for me, I'm not going to jump up and be all JC about it, you know. Um, but I'm still <laughs> there with you in terms of prayer, you know. So uh, yeah. how do you feel, Chelsea? How do you feel about that? Well, I've known about the serenity prayer for, you know, uh, much, much earlier than when I actually used it for alcoholic purposes. So I, I'm sure I've talked about this on a past episode, but, um, I actually got it tattooed on me at like 20 years old before I got sober. So it has, it has good, you know, a great significance to me. Um, I think a lot of what I used it for was, um, kind of explaining my past trauma, you know, like that, that's something that I can't, I can't change. Um, but you know, going forward, there are things that I can change. And so, um, I just had to accept it. And I think, you know, it's, not uncommon to come in and hear the prayer and you're like, okay, this is what we do. Like, and don't really pay much attention to what the words mean. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also think that you have to find out what it means for you, you know, um, and then how do you apply it in everyday life? Like, like they said, things that, uh, we used to run from, like, Um, I would get into this black and white thinking of like, oh, I, you know, I can't do this because of X, Y, and Z. And then, you know, with this prayer, it's kind of like, well, what if you did, you Mm -hmm. know, what then, like what comes after that? And then, um, so it just kind of like opens my, my mind to a lot of things rather than just being stuck on like, you know, this is how it is. I can't change it and blah 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 and bloody body blah it's <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea so eloquently says bloody blood no i uh, i you know one of the things that really gets me in the serenity prayer is about how much it really is about if you you know digging into the words um like early on it would help me um like early on or later on I started to um, dissect it and I would, I would be like in the shower each morning thinking about something that was coming up or like, you know, whether it be, you know, work or, you know, a family function or, you know, I don't know, whatever it was. And then I would start to dissect it, like laying down that problem on top of that prayer and be like, okay, what can I, can I, what can I change? And, you know, what can I not change? Um, you know, it's like, and it really began to help me to, you know, see like, um, you know, a lot of those areas in my life where I struggled to have control and I wanted, you know, certain outcomes or certain expectations. And it would just help me to see that stuff as I would try to lay that problem or scenario down on top of that, if that makes any sense. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was, it was, it worked for me in, and now it, it like it talked about, it works in many different ways today. And I just see it working on, a, on many different planes so it is a really cool, and by the way, it does not originate, as they said, does not originate with AA. You know, it's you can go back and find it, and they actually don't know where. You know, remember we looked this up, I think, in our one of our episodes. We didn't. Uh, we they don't know exactly where it originated. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of different variations. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I, I guess I mean, is there more to say on it, or is, I mean, living sober is just kind of like, you know, they give you like a page of like. Yeah, you can use this prayer if you like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think they pointed out something that's really important is that just because it's called a prayer does not mean that you have to consider it a prayer. It can be a mantra. It could just yeah. be a saying. It could be, you know, just a reminder of, you know, okay, this is like my intention for the day. Like I'm, I'm just, yeah, yeah you yeah. know, it's it doesn't have to be like, say you're an atheist and you see the word prayer you're like fuck no i you know i bristle with antagonation or whatever they call it what isn't antag and whatever you know what you know what i'm saying that word <laughs> what do they say in the big book they say bristle with in in uh it, it, it's antagonized i don't know it's something like a word like that antagonization i, I don't know <laughs> i don't know <laughs> But, but I think, you know, it's, 
it's um, relevant because like you said, Carl, in the beginning, you just kind of did it because that's what you did. And you feel like you accidentally got sober, but I don't think, I don't think that's necessarily the case because you were following with guidance and suggestions of people within the program. And so um, maybe saying this little prayer seems stupid and doesn't have meaning to you right now, but if it's helping other people, then why not try, you know? So just kind of being open-minded and you can still be an atheist or an agnostic and say the serenity prayer. It's not illegal. Yeah, I, say, I, I don't believe in the, in the deity senses, you know, and I don't care to even really go into explain my quote unquote higher power. But what I do know is that this can be done with, you know, your understanding of atheism or agnosticism. And I think one of the things is for me, it was, you know, resigning from the debating society. That's kind of how they call it. I just kind of gave up you know, I don't care to argue about, is there a God? Is there not a God? Is, is he like walking around with a robe or a cane or beard, whatever, you know, is the Bible true? Blah, blah, blah. All these other things that you want to go through. I just don't care to argue about those things anymore. I know what I feel is, is in my heart. Uh, you know, it's like, um, you know, it's funny. My, um, my, uh, my, my nine-year-old daughter was talking to me yesterday at the counter about uh, something she saw on YouTube about God. And uh, I'm like, whether God exists or doesn't exist. And um, and I was just like, wow, like my nine-year-old daughter's having this conversation with me. And, you know, all that I said was, is, you know what? I go, I don't know if they're right or wrong, but it, this is what I do know. You know, I can't see God. I can't talk to God. I can't taste God. You know, those types of things I can't. I said, but you know what? I can't feel something that's different that I can. I, and I asked her, I go, do you feel that? Right? And, and literally, my nine-year-old, she just she said it with an assurity that she does feel it and so to me like so i was like oh that's all that they need that's all you need right there is if you can feel some sort of connection with the outside mm -hmm. you know well with a higher power quote unquote that's all you really need and by the way so for everybody who was screaming in their in their cars and in their in their in their homes and screaming into their pillows antagonism <laughs> <laughs> I had to look up the word antagonism. There you go. So I've just, I know that you can breathe now. It's okay. We found the word. <laughs> you guys could, you can, you can all I think you're now. speaking to your inner voice, Carl. Ooh, I know. Cause I was like, what is that goddamn word? Anyway, my obsession of the mind really took hold of me. <laughs> okay. So, um, so yeah, I thought that was, that, that covers a good short stint. Yeah. It, uh, for, for we did a whole hour on the serenity prayer so by all means go back and listen to uh uh you know the episode find it if you're really interested in, in learning more about the serenity prayer and i guess you know how we dealt with it um or how we maybe it. we can like link to that episode in the show notes or i something. refuse to do that i refuse to do that oh, okay that's a lot of work so it's work finding the episode copying and pasting i don't know if i can go through all that <laughs> anyway, here is uh, the rest of that, which is changing old routines. This is number eight. This is the routines part of routinely serene. Okay, here we go. Eight, changing old routines. Certain set times, familiar places, and regular activities associated with drinking have been woven closely into the fabric of our lives. Like fatigue, hunger, loneliness, anger, and over-relation, these old routines can prove to be traps dangerous to our sobriety. It's a trap! When we first stopped drinking, many of us found it useful to look back at the habits surrounding our drinking, and whenever possible, to change a lot of the small things connected with drinking. To illustrate, Many who used to begin the day with a morning drink now head for coffee in the kitchen. Some of us shifted the order of things we did to prepare for the day, such as eating before bathing and dressing, or vice versa. A change in brands of toothpaste and mouthwash, be careful about the alcohol content, Don't gave swallow. us a fresh, different taste <laughs> to start out with. We tried a little exercise or a few quiet moments of contemplation or meditation before plunging into the day. 
Many of us also learned to try a new route when we first left the house in the morning, not passing by a familiar watering hole. Some have switched from the car to a train, from the subway to a bicycle, from a bus to walking. Others joined a different carpool. Whether our drinking was in the commuter bar car, the neighborhood gin mill, the kitchen, the country club, or the garage, each of us can spot pretty exactly his or her own favorite drinking locale. Mm -hmm. Whether we went on the occasional bender or were round-the-clock wine sippers, each of us knows for himself or herself what days, hours, and occasions have most often been associated with our drinking. When you want not to drink, it helps to shake up all those routines and change the pieces around, we have found. Homemakers, for instance, say it helps to shift shopping times and places and rearrange the agenda of daily chores. Working people who used to sneak out for a drink on the coffee break now stay in and really have coffee or tea and a bun. And that's a good time to call someone you know who's also off the sauce. During times when we used to drink, it's reassuring to talk to a person who has been through the same experiences. Those of us who began our sobriety while confined to a hospital or a jail tried to change our daily paths so we would not encounter the institution's bootleggers so often. For some of us, lunchtime was usually an hour or two of liquid refreshment. When we first stopped drinking, instead of going to the restaurant or steakhouse where the waiters or the bartender always knew what we wanted without being told, mm -hmm. it makes good sense to head in a different direction for lunch, and it's especially helpful to eat with other non-drinkers. Testing your willpower in a matter involving health seems pretty silly when it is not necessary. Instead, we try to make our new health habits as easy as possible. For many of us, this has also meant foregoing, at least for a while, the company of our hard-drinking buddies. If they are true friends, they naturally are glad to see us take care of our health and they respect our right to do whatever we want to do, just as we respect their right to drink if they choose. But we have learned to be wary of anyone who persists in urging us to drink again. Those who really love us, it seems, encourage our efforts to stay well. At 5 p.m., or whenever the day's work is done, some of us learned to stop at a sandwich shop for a bite. Then we would take an unfamiliar route for walking home, one that did not lead past our old drinking haunts. If we were commuters, we did not ride in the bar car. And we got off the train at the other end, not near the friendly neighborhood tavern. When we got home, instead of bringing out the ice cubes and glasses, we changed clothes, then brewed a pot of tea or took some fruit or vegetable juice, took a nap, or relaxed a while in the shower or with a book or the newspaper. We learned to vary our diet to include foods not closely associated with alcohol. If imbibing and watching TV was our usual after-dinner routine, we found it helped to shift to another room and other activities. If we used to wait for the family to get to bed before hauling out the bottle, we tried going to bed earlier for a change, or taking a walk, or reading, or writing, or playing chess. Business trips, weekends and holidays, the golf course, baseball and football stadiums, card games, the old swimming pool, or the ski lodge often meant drinking for many of us. Boat people often spent summer days drinking on the bay or the lake. Boat when we first stopped drinking, we found it paid to plan a different kind of trip or holiday for a while. Trying to avoid taking a drink on a vessel loaded with beer drinkers, Tom Collins sippers, flask nippers, sangria lovers, or hot buttered rum guzzlers is much harder than simply going to other places and doing new things that do not particularly remind us of drinking. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Suppose we were invited to the kind of cocktail party where the chief entertainment... Can we go back? The hell is it? Rum guzzler. What the fuck? What? what? Dude, how did, okay, so uh tried to avoid taking a drink on a vessel loaded with beer drinkers. Okay. Tom Collins sippers, flask nippers, sangria lovers, or hot buttered rum guzzlers. Jesus Christ. It's like it seems like 
I mean, how many names are there for an alcoholic? <laughs> like, These are all new ones that I have never heard. So I, I mean, I know like you know, he's saying like generally like a sipper or a flask nipper, right? I know people used to nip flasks, right? But but a nipper. <laughs> you what? watch your mouth, young lady. <laughs> I just, hot it just buttered rum when, yeah when it got to hot buttered rum guzzler i was like oh this just sounds kind of familiar but i'm not gonna say what it sounds like i know right <laughs> i know what you're thinking it got a little weird i'm just saying it just got a little weird okay so let, let's continue on <laughs> business was drinking what then while drinking, we had been pretty skillful at dreaming up alibis, so we just applied that skill to devising a graceful way of saying, no thank you. For parties we really have to attend, we've worked out safe new routines, which are explained later in Section 26, being wary of drinking occasions. In our early days of not drinking, did we get rid of all the booze around our homes? Yes and no. Most successful non-drinkers agree that it is a sound precaution at first to get rid of whatever hidden stashes there may be, I if did. we can find them. But opinions vary with regard to the bottles in the liquor cabinet or the wine rack. Some of us insist that it was never the availability of the beverage that led us to drink, any more than the immediate unavailability kept us from that drink we really wanted. So some ask, why pour good scotch down the drain or even give it away? We live in a drinking society, they say, and cannot avoid the presence of alcoholic beverages forever. Keep the supply on hand to serve when guests arrive, they suggest, and just learn to ignore it the rest of the time. For them, that worked. A multitude of others among us point out that sometimes it was incredibly easy for us to take a drink on impulse almost unconsciously, before we intended to. If no alcohol is handy, if we'd have to go out and buy it, we at least have a chance to recognize what we're about to do and can choose not to drink instead. Non-drinkers of this persuasion say they found it wiser to be safe than sorry, so they gave away their whole stock and kept none on the premises until their sobriety seemed to be in a fairly steady, stabilized state. Even now, they buy only enough for one evening's guests. So take your pick. You know what your own drinking pattern has been and how you feel about sobriety today. Now, most of the little changes in routine mentioned in this section may seem by themselves ridiculously trivial. It's ridiculously However, trivial. However, we can assure you that the sum total of all such alterations in pattern has given many of us an astonishingly powerful propulsion toward newly vigorous health. You can have such a boost, too, if you want it. This is ridiculously trivial. I'm telling you. <laughs> Actually, no, it's all pretty spot on. Um, except for the rum coming. Uh, uh, sorry, the rum. <laughs> except Freudian for the cum guzzlers. <laughs> Excuse me, pardon me. Uh, so, uh, you know, this, this ain't your mama's recovery show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this ain't your mama. You're going to love them eggs. Anyway, uh, so. Your mama's like. <laughs> <laughs> this, this ain't your mama's cum guzzling show. Uh, anyway, uh, so changing old routines. What do, what do we think about all that? I think it's like pretty spot on for a lot of things. Um, you know. It's, we covered a lot. Yeah, it's more than I think that I would have even like done, but you know, um, more than I did for sure. But you know, let, let me like in the very, very early, early, if I'm going to go back and do it, like, um, I didn't carry any cash, so I don't know if it covered any of that. Um, uh, but I did talk about changing like routines and da, da, da. part of that routine was, um, I would go to the, uh, uh, I just went to the gas station. That's about as much as my, and I used my card. I didn't go inside ever. Um, I, I honestly, I, I became so withdrawn from like wanting to go do these other things because I was just so deeply afraid of one habit, you know, or, or other actually just making the decision saying, fuck mm -hmm. it. And I, so I stayed away from, um, any temptation in that regard. So whether it was, 
liquor store beer or you know the beer in the the little you know gas station marked places mm -hmm. like i just could not do it it just so i did not carry any cash as well because then that was like an extra you know thing that got in my way so um what about you did you did you find it hard initially oh yeah because i still had alcohol in my house i did not um go ahead and just dump that all out because someone in my house was still you know partaking oh, yeah. in that and and that was something that you know it wasn't up to me so you know who am i to like get rid of everything yeah, you know yeah. when that other person doesn't have a problem um but i definitely made some changes like instead of you know, just uh, going to parties like we normally would, I kind of became a recluse a little mm. bit. And um, I know that's not the most healthy thing to do. I, but I it did was the same of... thing too, though. Like I really did. Like if you would have asked me at the time, oh, go to a wedding or whatever, I would have been, I would have been yeah, bowed No out, thanks. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think some of that was just like my way of staying safe and sober um, because I was fearful of how would I handle X, Y, and Z? How would I handle someone handing me a drink at a party or being asked why I'm not drinking? And I just wasn't ready to face that. And I think that's fine. I think, you know, um, doing what I need to do to protect my own sobriety is 100% okay, especially in the beginning. Um, and, and that's kind of what they were mentioning is that there are certain occasions that I noticed um, where I would be either more tempted to drink or typically would drink. And that would be at like parties, you know, weddings, um, holidays, uh, you know. And so holidays generally are difficult for me even um, today. Like, mm -hmm. and I don't know what it is about it. It's just like any major holiday kind of gives me anxiety because that's those were times where I uh I definitely would get drunk so um they're not my favorite anymore <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah I know they're not my favorite either really I mean I you know, one of the things um like I stopped watching sports mm -hmm. uh I was I, it was last night I started watching some baseball and and I was like oh I watched baseball in a really long time and and then I really thought about it I was like oh yeah <laughs> that's, yeah. why. that's why you know because i would always drink exactly there's no better fucking feeling than being completely shit-faced you know so with a lawnmower going on the ball you know game playing and you know you're well, speaking of that like um i would go to real salt lake games which is the um professional soccer team here mm -hmm. And I knew that um, I had to get my beer. I believe it was before the 80th minute because mm. that's when they stop serving. Stop serving. And you bet your ass I was there before they stopped serving, like every single so game. Are, so, are you going to those games now or no? We we do every now and again with like COVID. It, things got shut down for a minute oh, but yeah. Yeah. you know we we go to one like a season or a couple but um it's definitely not even like a thought anymore but i don't think that it was that easy for me to go back to a game and not drink initially because, yeah. yeah yeah because i was just like what do i do like there's people i see beers all around me like um this is like what i used to do when i was here like yeah, I, but it was. Yeah, I I didn't watch the Super Bowl. I didn't do any of that stuff initially. Like I just I just no, absolutely not. It was just mm -hmm. not. I couldn't. I I I didn't even know what I was going to do on Thanksgiving. To be honest, I mean, it was just everything was just, you know, everything was a trauma for me when it came down to like, how am I going to breathe without alcohol? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, that's in my mind is kind of how it worked out. I tried to hide that as much as possible around my family and stuff, but mm -hmm. I knew my wife could tell all that shit. She could tell that I was be, you know, I was definitely hurting. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. But I think, I think this made a good point is that like, you really cannot escape it. Like it mm -hmm. is so ingrained in our culture uh you know you see a commercial like you it's like the advertisements just at the gas station like you really can't escape it and i found right. it quite interesting that they said 
um, I don't remember exactly how it was phrased, but it was like, you know, we're, whether it's like close to us or, um, oh man, I can't even think of it essentially like, you know, we're no closer to the drink if we have to go out and get it versus if it's at home. Yeah. And cause they were talking about getting rid of it. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, yeah, it, it, and I, you know, for, I got really lucky because I didn't, um, um, you know, nobody else in my family at that time was drinking, you know, mm -hmm. nobody was, you know, nobody was 21 and over. So except for my wife who really didn't drink anyway. And so, you know, I got really lucky being able to throw all of it out um, mm -hmm. because I, had I not been able to, I don't know if I, honestly, I was, I had a heart. So you, like, that's like an amazing, was, what did it say? It was a test of willpower. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I, I really, I, that seems like strange to me to think about, like not being able to throw it out, but you did, you, well, your, your husband had some sort of like understanding of what you were trying to do though, right? Yeah. I, I don't think it was, um, taken as seriously as I, uh, yeah. as I like meant it. Um, you know, eventually there came kind of, uh, a turning point where I was like, listen, we ought to get something straight. Like if I'm going to stay sober, which I need to stay sober, like X, Y, and Z needs to change. Mm -hmm. And if that can't change, then, well, you know, we're going to have to go our separate ways. And that was before we were married. So obviously things, um, did get better, but I imagine you grabbing him by his, like his collar listen here buddy <laughs> you well, listen here buster listen here, buddy. things are going to change around here you see <laughs> so i'm not drinking uh, see see yeah see yeah like that. but with that being said um even today which side note i realized the other day in an episode recently i mentioned like i was six years sober it's seven but oh. <laughs> welcome again. <laughs> yes. But anyway, like with, with like, seven I years got so bright a leap here. I'm only two. <laughs> <laughs> that would suck. <laughs> but, um, I'm still pretty uncomfortable with it being in my house, mm. you know? And, and I don't know what that is, if it's just simply because I don't handle change well, or if I have just gone so long without being, without it being in close proximity that it's making me feel anxious. And so, I, I think that that's and how, what they talked about in the book here too, is that it's your, it's your personal decision to do so. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's really important because if, if, I think if I was to come out and say to my family, hey, look, like if I had the balls to do that, I did not have the balls to do that. I mean, if I could have, I would have loved to have been able to come out and say to them, look, I am really uncomfortable with having alcohol in the house right now for the next whatever, three months or, you know, six months mm -hmm. at least. Can we just like ensure that that stuff is not available to me? And I know that it doesn't make a difference because I could just get in the car, go a mile away and purchase some. But that that difference between that drive could mean mm -hmm. the difference between the next fucking you know 15 years or not you know do i spend the next 15 years drunk or mm -hmm. <laughs> will i have some time to think about it on yeah. the way there you know exactly and, and so that's for me that's what i think that i really needed either way like i needed that separation i needed that division because i i like you said like i had it so readily available for so long that like like if it was in my station like that, I just would have, you know, I don't know what I would have done. And that's, that's why I think that uh, when you talk like that, that really like kind of shocks me a little bit. Cause I'm like, Oh wow. Like what would I have done? I really feel like I would not have been well. That's what I know. So. I always say that I credit God with keeping me sober. That Hallelujah, first year. Amen, sister. But oh, for real, because I don't know how else, yeah. how else I managed to do that. That's why I say accidentally sober because honestly, and I and when I say that I, I really am saying like higher power based kind of mm -hmm. belief here. Like I go, there's no way in hell that well, there's no way in hell I should be alive first of all, but there's <laughs> no way that I should be sober either. So there is that. You know what I mean? I, I I hear you very much in that. That really is the key here. Is you know, I didn't really do a lot for my sobriety, especially initially. You know. 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, one thing that I, I did do, which, you know, I should emphasize is I started going to one meeting every week, the same meeting, you know, that's one routine I changed obviously before I got, well, not obviously, but I did not attend that meeting before I got sober, which I know isn't the case for everyone. You know, some people have been in and out. Some people have tried to like dip their toes in the water before stopping drinking. But, um, I did not go to a meeting unless I was at work, which I used to take clients to meetings all the time. Um, but I made that like an important part of my routine. Like that was what I needed to do to keep my sobriety. That was just one little thing that I needed to, um, commit to, you know, and it's not a lot, it's an hour once a week. Like yeah. it's supposed to help me, Even to you know, start, it's not yeah, torture. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what about you? What were, what was like a, um, kind of an, a new routine or a change that you made that you, uh, kind of made it a habit. Uh, I joining Reddit, stop drinking. That was something that was a real, um, mm-hmm. thing for me is like, I would go and I would, I would literally do this. Uh, uh, there's, they do these daily quotes and that's kind of like the daily quote thing. It, um, it, um, silver pod live is, uh, um, I really lived off those daily quotes and I got to go there and depend on those things because, you know, it was somebody's service commitment. Thank you, Nikki. It was somebody's service commitment to do that stuff so that I could rely on somebody else being sober and that I could depend upon another thought other than my own brain coming in. That really helped to do that kind of stuff. Uh, like you say, you know, going to meetings, going to, you know, making that one meeting, it was Tuesday, seven thirty. um, uh, in Corona, what's really going on? <laughs> so, uh, and I did that uh, at, you know, weekly. And I, as soon as I started to do that, but that was, you know, um, that that's something that I added to or did other than. Um, but in terms of routine, you know, there's things that I still had to do in whether it be driving home from work or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, taking kids, you know, somewhere. Um, you know, it's just things that I just, you know, I, like I would associate with drinking period and, mm-hmm. you know, going to a lunch or going to a certain location. And I loved how they talked about like not going to those same places um, because I really had to change the lunch places. I actually, um, I stopped spending so much money on lunch and I actually just went to, like, <laughs> I changed it to going to, uh, uh, which is so unhealthy, Jack in the box. And, uh, <laughs> and, but I, I was eating a ton because I wasn't drinking anymore. But, uh, uh, but yeah, it was like I had to like change that stuff, you know. Like I mm-hmm. couldn't go to a sit-down restaurant anymore during lunch because, well, one, if I went to that bar, quote-unquote, that dude is going to bring me my drink. He literally will. Because I don't know about you, but whenever I drink at locations, like people get to know you. And then they, they really do anticipate you or bartender will anticipate you. And he'll, I mean, they will plop them down right in front of you. And you'd be like, you know, fuck, like I didn't ask mm-hmm. for this. I really don't feel like drinking today. Thank you very much. You know, it's like, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I only have this one, you know, or whatever, you know, oh, thanks for pouring it, you know, whatever. Um, well, instead of the bar, make that like your new goal with the barista. Because that's yeah, we, me every yeah. morning. They know what I get, like four shots of espresso and a chai, like almond milk every so morning. They know your name, man. That's it. That's all they need right there. So I and I do they they named it it, it two bars. They named uh a drinks after me is is Carl. You can have a Carl, which is like a double vodka rocks absolute. And well, so that that is impressive. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's what two you bars. Know. Well, yeah, you're at two separate bars and they've named drinks after you. So that's the thing is I, I, I go at that point. It's like, you know, like you're, I mean, you're pretty much fucked if you walk in that place. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and that's, that's the idea of it. So it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything like that in, in, in my, in my life. And I knew that very much. So I didn't go mm-hmm. to any of those types of places that I would go to before, especially during lunch. Cause that was a big trigger for me was lunches. So, and I just mm-hmm. stopped going with clients, those types of things. Just stop, I just stopped entertaining the whole idea together. Just actually after a while, it really did disgust me, you know, because I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not getting anything done. 
<laughs> so, so, um, so yeah, I don't know about other routines other than like, you know, home and, you know, keeping alcohol and, um, you know, work and, you know, oh, I would drive home from work. And I remember one time at six months, I remember thinking to myself, like, I just have to sit in this traffic and then I can reward myself with a drink. And I remember I had six months sober and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, you know, you could like that thought literally came to me as in with no other thing around it for about five minutes because I'm like, oh, I can just that's OK that I'm in this traffic because once I get home, it won't matter anymore. Right. And like literally I'm like, oh, I feel better now. I'll just wait until then. And then literally like five minutes later, I was like, dude, you're sober. <laughs> like, it, it just, like how my brain was like, how is that even possible? So um, so I think that kind of a routine, like what it talks about, like going different routes or whatever, maybe that's what it's for as well. Because it, it there is a certain level of that that I didn't really understand either. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, obviously, because it's six months, I sat there doing it. So, uh, you know, maybe there was more time to that or, you know, whatever that helped. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what else. Do you have anything like that? Do you have anything? Um, you had to change, rearrange, adjust? I mean, I feel like I had to change just about everything, really. Uh, Yeah, like... (laughs) I, because all I had done for like my young adult life, uh, was focused on alcohol, you know, whether that was going like socializing with people was all about, is there alcohol going to be there? Visiting my family is alcohol going to be there? Um, going on vacation, there better be alcohol there. Um, and so I had to, you know, find other things to occupy my time, which was the gym, uh, which was shopping. They don't serve <laughs> alcohol at the gym, do they? No, <laughs> they sure don't. I mean, maybe some of them do, but yeah, I'm sure there's a few. Yeah. Um, you know, and just avoiding places like until I felt confident in my ability to, um, not partake in any alcohol, I just kind of kept to myself and, and stayed, um, in safe areas, uh, which I did want to touch on how it said, like, you know, don't test your willpower because really it's not worth it. It is not worth it. Mm -hmm. If you want to go ahead and, and, um, try all those things, I can't remember which chapter Mm -hmm. it's in the book, big book where, you know, you switch from rum to brandy or something Wine like to brandy. that, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. try and take chapter just three, more drink. about alcoholism. you know, it's, it's that type of stuff. And it just, um, I've got like a patient that I've worked with who, um, has relapsed twice that I'm aware of. And each time it's because, well, I just went to go play pool. Mm. Okay. Why did you go and play pool? I, I would buy a pool table. <laughs> I mean, not really an option for him, but, but, you know, the common denominator here is when you go to places to play pool that serve alcohol or, you know, things like that, then you're bound to make that decision. If that's what you keep doing, you know, you're going to keep getting what you're getting mm-hmm. if you keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, who knows if it'll get through to him, um, at any point, I can only hope, but, uh, sometimes you got to look at, okay, where am I vulnerable, you know, uh, and, and just remove yourself from those situations. Mm-hmm. Don't try and like prove anything. Cause what's the point? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would always hear people be like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, it's a test, you know, like again, like mm-hmm. it's a, I'm testing myself or, yeah, you know, and I just I don't like you said same thing with this. I don't believe testing is like in, like why why would you? It's like uh, um, I don't even know how to you know akin it to something else. But it's like you know, um, well other than like when they talk about in AA, they talk about you know putting your hand on a hot stove. It's like you know, oh I'm gonna are you gonna go back and test and see if the stove is still hot because you know by the way it is. It's been on you know. For, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> the burner's been burning this entire time. It's not going to change. It's not going to get any cooler. It will so continue to it, be hot. It will get yeah, or hotter for that matter. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I just, I, you know, we do these things. I think we say these things to ourselves and it's just another form of denial in, in a general sense, you know, where it's like, yo, I'm, I got to test myself. And it's like, no, you don't have to test yourself. You know, I, if you can sit down with some, some honesty of some self-reflection you'll know your limits pretty quickly you'll know in your heart of hearts where you're going and how you're going there that's like you know i, I say if you i say the sponsees i say you know if you really don't want to drink if you fucking if you know you're going to go drink and you really don't want to then call me right but you know here's the thing they never fucking do it like they go and they drink and then they go, oh, I should have called you out because you really don't because you really want to fucking drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, but when you really don't want to, that's when you get a call. And I tell you, there was days when I really didn't want to drink, but I didn't have anybody to call. Mm-hmm. And, and that's like, that's, you know, before I got back into recovery and those types of things. And that was real sadness. You know, it talked about earlier, um, you know, that, you know, you resign yourself to drinking. Right. Yep. I that's exactly where I was. I was I was resigning. Like, well, I'm an alcoholic. This is how I go out. This is what alcoholics do. They just fucking drink until they die. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was gonna do. So that's why I say accidentally sober. Because <laughs> I had <laughs> I had but I did. I I I somewhere along the line I found a lot of little bits and pieces of hope and you know, this is where I ended up. But that's I guess what we're trying to do is just, you know, hand out hand out hope. Uh sprinkle it across the land hope for you you get hope you get hope. <laughs> and you get hope and you get hope and you get thank you oprah oh my god anyway, <laughs> um i see i got i got your reference i got your so right <laughs> i'm glad i'm yeah. so glad <laughs> so uh did, i guess you know we talk about um uh i know we talked about it a little bit um you know before but do they talk about um uh, you know, to shift to like other rooms. Did you ever like shift to a like a like a different room? Have you like taken on like a new room in your home that's different? Well, I I moved since that time. Um, I definitely did spend more time in like our basement at our old place, just like doing crafts and doing the party pouring. <laughs> but like at parties, I tend tended to um kind of migrate towards children because <laughs> I'm like children aren't drinking that's great um or I would just you know go sit on a couch just be kind of away from the bar or the alcohol like you know I can I can mingle but I'll be you know to the side mm-hmm. um just because I felt more comfortable with some distance between me and and that's okay you know yeah, I, I I definitely moved from I used to be out in like the like a um the the living area with the TV that was you know, big for me because I would just be drinking and watching TV and um and then you know ironically um you know as I got sober I still tried to maintain some of that but mm-hmm. then uh, but then I learned how to go to bed go figure like a human being does you know <laughs> so like. 9 or 10 p.m. Yeah, yeah. No, it's the strangest <laughs> sensation to get Not your jammies out on. on the recliner. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's great to be like getting in your jammies and getting all cozy. And nothing feels better than getting like like into bed. You know what I mean? Like I was yeah. like, oh, I love fucking bed now. Like I never used to because you know, I was I had to I had to pass out most of the time. I didn't really go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Most of the time I slept in my clothes too. Like, it, you know, to me, that was just like, that's just what I did. That's just how mm-hmm. I, that's who I was. I slept in my clothes. I got up and I changed, you know, after my shower, you know, whatever. Right. To me, it was like clothes are supposed to be worn for 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and then, and then disposed of. But either way, but no, I love getting in jammies now and I love getting in the bed, love going to bed with my wife and like, you know, waking up with my wife. I love doing that shit, you know? Where, and, mm-hmm. and, and I changed that routine. And by the way, that was a lifelong problem for me is sleeping without um, without night terrors or or, or, or mm-hmm. nightmares um, like and being able to do that. Uh, that was a goal of mine to be able to do that without harming or hurting somebody in my sleep in the middle of the night. Sorry, honey, for the punches <laughs> in the back all those years or whatever, because I did that shit like, I you know, in a real fucked up way. I was fucked 
up in that way. And so now I don't know. She says, uh, my wife says I don't even snore anymore. So and I used to be really bad at snoring because of drinking and everything else like that. Mm-hmm. She goes, I hardly snore anymore. She, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm like, wow. To me, that's like amazing. I mean, yeah. I got some other bad habits that I developed. But, <laughs> but I think, you know, to each their own. So. Yeah. Well. Well, that, that seems like seems like we're the end of the, the line for this portion of living sober. And that's our serene routine. Routinely sober. <laughs> I think twice as high. All right, y'all. Uh, what, what do we, what do I, what do you, wait, Ed, he says, all he says is stay sober, everybody. You know, that kind of stay sober, everybody. That's lame. Just stay sober, everybody. Like, what does that mean even? Dude, like, I, I don't know, you know. Stay sober if you want to, like. <laughs> stay sober, everybody. I don't know. It just seems kind of, so I like the whole, like, you know, stay active, stay sober, see ya. I think it's kind of kitschy thing. You know? It's catchy. Yeah, catchy, you know. Um, and then, and then you have the ultimate deuces, so mm-hmm. which could mean so many things. <laughs> <laughs> what what does it's just pieces really? Weird. Yeah, yeah. Check out the deuces. Check out the peace. <laughs> check out the deuces. Okay, never mind. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> not that. I'm not going in there to check out those deuces, Chelsea. It's the last time. <laughs> I know you're a nurse. You may be able to handle it, but I can't. <laughs> All right, yo, that's it. So, so, so I say, stay active, stay sober. See you, and then you say, deuces. Deuces.